This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, we've been talking about on the edge of greatness. Well, I reckon I should get my edge out here on the edge of greatness. That's the edge. And that's greatness. And what we've been talking about, this is part three, actually, we're talking about living on the edge of greatness. The only thing is, some people only live on the edge of greatness and they never cross over into God's greatness. And he beckons us, he welcomes us into his greatness. And we know that he is great, he is awesome, he's wonderful, he's fantastic. So I want you to think as we're talking about God's word this morning, uh, or whenever you do choose to watch this, is that are you on the edge of greatness? You guys who are here in the building with us, you guys who are watching at home, online, wherever, are you on the edge of greatness? Or have you, have you decided I'm going to cross over into God's greatness? And that's where supernatural becomes natural. That's where miracles happen in this place of God's greatness. And it takes obedience and it takes faith and a lot of other biblical principles, you know, that we become one with to cross over into greatness and and obey God and, and respond to him. Anyhow, let me read you a passage. I... I only read this passage in the last probably a month or six weeks out of this translation. I've never seen it in this translation before. It's the Passion, and it says, and I really like it. It's just a powerful passage, the, the way it's worded. And most of you can quote it in other translations. But listen to what it says here. It says, Philippians 4.13 in the Passion Bible. For I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things. Can we be trained in a secret where we can overcome all things, overcome every obstacle that's in our path? Well, it says, I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all. Now, what percentage is that? How many obstacles has come in your path in your lifetime? One or two or three? It says, for I, I'm trained in this secret. Wow, man, maybe we can learn this secret. I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all 100% of things, whether in fullness or in hunger. And I find, I find that the strength of Christ, explosive power, it infuses me. To conquer every, what, what percentage is every? I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every 100% difficulties. Every difficulty. And I'm sure you're aware of difficulties that have happened in your life. And it talks about, there's a secret that we learn. And we find that the strength of Christ's explosive power that same power that rose him from the dead, that resurrection power, that explosive power, we find that that explosive power, it infuses. It, it brings about a transformation in me, making me able to conquer 100% of the difficulties of life. You're going like, wow, that's a pretty amazing passage. When you read it out of the uh, Passion Translation, that's really amazing. It really is. Oh, a second. Now, I don't know if you ever have to deal with these things. Y'all have to deal with trouble very much? Now, don't raise your hand, but do you live with trouble? 
Don't raise your hand, please. Especially you, dear, don't raise your hand, okay? All right, but you know, trouble, trouble does come our way, doesn't it? Well, listen to what the, the Bible says here in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 2. I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, this is talking about believers in Christ. Brothers, you know, you got the same dad that makes us brothers, our heavenly father. Sisters got the same heavenly father. It's talking to believers here, to men and women. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles... When troubles of any kind, financial troubles, relational troubles, health troubles, political troubles, legal troubles. How many different kinds of troubles are there in this world? There are thousands. And when you think you're done with trouble, <clears throat> there's a lot, lot, another whole batch ready to come after you. To be honest with you, that's just the way life is. There's troubles here and troubles there and troubles everywhere. But the Bible says, dear brothers and sisters, when, <clears throat> not if, because it's not an if, troubles do come our way. You know, we're having weather troubles today. Is it going to snow? Is it not going to snow? Do you delay a service? Do you cancel a service or do you not? You know, there, there's a trou troubles in every capacity you can imagine. But when troubles, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity <clears throat> to complain and fuss and cuss and stomp your feet and beat the wall. So it says, that might be what some people do, but it says, when troubles of any kind. Now, this ain't natural. You got to, this is not natural. Whenever troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for not just joy, but what kind of joy? When trouble comes your way, oh, I've got an opportunity for great joy. Now, that ain't natural, is it? That's when you cross over into God's greatness and troubles of any kind, you know? Now, one of our ushers is out there right now letting the air out of all of the tires. Does that just put you in a mode like, oh, I got great joy? No. It's like you're going to punch somebody, you know? But this is what God's word says, and you and I have the opportunity to cross over into the greatness of Almighty God and operate in the supernatural and not let circumstances dictate what we're going to do with the rest of our life. And he says it here, I want us to read one more time. When troubles of any kind <clears throat> come your way, consider it an opportunity, an opportunity for great joy. Trouble comes your way, and it's like, I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart. My tire is flat. I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Now, you would think I'd be either crazy or I know some, some secret that, that changes things. And I am telling you, this is God's advice to you and me. Now, you know, we all have opportunities, don't we? to fuss and complain, to groan and bellyache. And I have left an opportunity here, laying here on the platform. There is an opportunity. And it is an opportunity for joy. And, and if there is the courage in anybody who's here now, you can come and take that opportunity right now. It's yours. Let's give this courageous guy a hand. Okay. Now, what does it say? What does it say? Okay, continue. It means open it up.
All you have to do is fill in your name at the top. And what does it say? So check for what? Is that a reason to rejoice? You can go out to eat today. Or maybe you can't. You can go on a shopping spree. Not much of one for a hundred bucks, but you know, it's like, wow. You mean to tell me that when trouble comes my way, there's an opportunity. Now, if you hadn't taken advantage of that opportunity, you, you wouldn't know it was there. You, you wouldn't know it was a positive thing versus like, you owe me $2,000. You know, that's not the kind of opportunity you're looking for. But the Bible makes it very clear. When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity. Step over into God's greatness as an opportunity of great joy. And it genuinely is because you know my favorite verse in Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, these are not my boots. They're actually too big for me. But they belong to a guy once upon a time was very little. But his feet grew as he grew. <laughs> Anyhow, I just want you to think about those cowboy boots for a moment. A teacher was helping a kindergarten student put on his cowboy boots. A kindergarten. He was a little guy. She was helping him put on his cowboy boots. Even with her pulling and him pushing, the little boots didn't want to go on. But the time... By the time they got the second boot on, she had worked up a sweat. She almost cried when the little boy said, Teacher, they're on the wrong feet. And she looked, and sure enough, they were on the wrong feet. It wasn't any easier pulling the boots off than it was putting them on. She managed to keep her cool as together they worked to get the boots back on and this time on the right feet. He then announced, these aren't my boots. <laughs> she bit her tongue rather than to get right in his face to scream, why didn't you say so in the first place? And once again, she struggled to help him pull off the boots. No sooner had they gotten the boots off when he said, you got to remember, he's a kindergarten guy. He said, they're my brother's boots. My mom just made me wear them. <laughs> now she didn't know if she was going to laugh or cry. But she mustered up what grace and courage she had left to wrestle the boots on his feet again. Helping him into his coat, she asked, now where are your mittens? And he said, I stuffed them in the toes of my boots. We are forced with choices every day, are we not? Are we going to laugh or are we going to cry? When trouble, you can consider that was trouble. When trouble comes your way, you've got an opportunity to cross over into God's greatness and rejoice. You've got an opportunity to rejoice. You really do. And, and it talks about an opportunity for great joy. But that ain't natural. Most people do not begin to rejoice when trouble comes their way. They're going to operate in the natural. And things are going to go their natural course, which is not always necessarily very good. But you can help bring about good things in your own life when you choose, I'm going to take advantage of that opportunity because I believe it's something good there. And I'm going to choose to rejoice because I've had the opportunity when trouble comes my way. And you know what? When you, when you re begin to rejoice, guess what happens? <sighs> well, those troubles don't seem to bother you as much anymore when you choose to operate in the supernatural. Anyhow, let me back up there to uh, James chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Hmm. Great joy. 
You know, it's easier to have patience with other people when you remember how patient God has been with you. Has God been patient with you? Has he given you a second chance? Third chance? We don't even number them anymore. It's just another chance. When God has been so patient with us. Here in uh, James chapter 1, picking up in verse 3, it says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance, and the word endurance means your patience, your stamina, your staying power has a chance. What does the word chance mean? Has an opportunity to grow. You know when your faith is tested, your endurance, your patience, your stamina, your, your staying power, it has an opportunity, has a chance to grow. And then what does it say? Those, those, uh, the, the four words in the next verse. So let it grow. Now, you know spring tab is coming, don't you? I know it's snow here and projected more snow, but springtime is going to come. We're going to put seeds in the ground, and guess what's going to happen to them seeds? They're going to grow. There's the warmth of the sun and the, the rain and just the right environment, and the seeds are going to grow. And I'd say, let them grow. Let, let the grass grow and the trees grow and the, the flowers grow and all the buds, let them grow, you know? And that's what God's word is telling us here. It's telling us when we're tested, our faith is being tested like that teacher's was, you know? Ah, you know, he tells us, let it grow. Let it grow. Let it grow. And then he says, so let it grow for when your endurance, that's your patience, that's your stamina, that's your staying power, you know, your patience, for when your endurance is fully developed, I'm talking about you will never give up. You will never quit. You will never throw in the towel. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be, what's that say? You will be perfect. You will be perfect and complete. Needing nothing. Now, does that appeal to you at all? To be perfect, to, to have such a maturity that you're perfect, you're complete, and you're not needing anything because you've, you've discovered the secrets of life and everything that you want, you have it. And he tells us here, let our endurance grow. Let our patience grow. That stamina, that staying power, let it grow is what God's words telling us. And then he says here in Hebrews 10.35, do not throw away this confident trust, that, that, that faith, that, that believing in. Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. See, trusting in the Lord enables us to cross over into his greatness by trusting him. There's a lot of people in this world don't trust God. They don't believe in God. And, you know, our forefathers did. They wanted to remind us multiple times a day, every time you pulled out a penny, a nickel, a dime, a quarter, 50 cent piece, a dollar. It used to be $2 and $5 and 10s and, and 20s and 50s and 100s and, and on and on and on every coin it says, in God we trust. Trust God. And it says here, do not throw away this confident trust. Do not throw away your trust in almighty God because it changes things. It genuinely does. The flying Raudellas, who were trapeze artists, said there is a special relationship between the flyer, that's the person who swings on the, the, the trapeze, you know, who, who turns loose and turns around and just flies through the air with the greatest of ease, you know, said there's a special relationship between the flyer and the catcher. On the trapeze. The flyer is the one who lets go. And I think there's a powerful message right there, don't you? I've heard this statement said by a lot of people before. Let go and you let God. Sometimes we think we can do a better job than God can do. So we stay in the natural. We're going we're gonna to handle it in, in the natural. And I don't know about you guys, but there's 
something within most guys. It's surely within me. If there's a problem, I'm going to think of a way to try to fix it. That's just the way we're wired. You know, we want to fix things that are broke and all. And, and it takes a miracle of God where we can trust God to work things out together for good. Anyhow, he says, uh, the flyer is the one who lets go and the catcher is the one who does what? Catches. As the flyer swings high above the crowd on the trapeze, the moment comes when he must let go. He arcs out into the air and his job is to remain as still as possible and wait. It's kind of hard sometimes to just remain still as you're flying through the air, you know. If I was up there, I might well be going, ah, here I am, you know, catch me. But anyhow, the article I was reading says his job is to remain as still as possible and wait for the strong hands of the catcher to pluck him from the air. The flyer must never try to catch the catcher. His job is just to let go. But must he must wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him, but the flyer must wait. Now, do y'all like the idea of waiting? Y'all like the idea of being patient? You know, most people are like, I don't like patience. That's why we like instant stuff, you know? That's why we like drive-through things. That's why we like that we can rent a movie on your computer and watch it right away. I mean, everything, we, we, we like the instant kinds of stuff. Anyhow, it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, in the Amplified Bible, it says, trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all. Now, what percentage would that be? Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight or your own understanding, your human understanding. The way we got it figured out, well, I can do this and I can fix it this way and I can do that. The Bible says, do not rely on your own insight or your own understanding. But in all, what percentage is that all again? This is amazing how many times all is used in the Bible. In all, 100% of your ways, know, acknowledge, and recognize him. In everything you do, 100%, it says to know God, to, to acknowledge God. In everything you do, I mean, as we was on our way up the mountain this morning, you know, my little uh, uh, phone, it, it sends me a, a scripture every day, and it sent us a, a very appropriate scripture. You think it was a very appropriate scripture, dear? What? what did it say? Can you remember? His grace is sufficient for us and his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And we already trudged halfway up this mountain, you know, in these snowshoes. And it's just like, it was so spot on. That's what Susan, I needed to hear it as well, but we needed to hear that. But it says in, in all your ways, know him. He's there with you. Acknowledge him. It's wherever we're unashamed. It's like, we acknowledge, hey, I'm not alone. Thank you for this beautiful day, oh Lord. And all through the day, acknowledging him. When you get ready to go to bed, it's just like, good night, Lord. Thank you for taking care of us during the day. It says, in all your ways, this is if you're going to really trust in him. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him. And you know what? God can be found anywhere and everywhere you're at. God can be found in circumstances that you would never believe it. He would even be found there. You will never be alone. That's what he's telling us here. And it says that he will make your paths straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. You mean he'll do that for you? He'll remove the obstacles that are in your path stopping you from moving forward? I'm telling you, that's what he'll do. But sometimes it takes just a wee bit of patience. Lord, I'm, I'm trying to do what you showed me to do, and there's an obstacle in my path, and I don't seem to be... Well, if he told you to go there, just be patient. And, and if it's a Red Sea, he'll open it up and you'll go through as on dry ground. 
You know, God can do those things if we're trusting in him. Now, A.W. Tozer said this. I think I shared it with you last week. It's a great comment. He said, what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. It's more important than what you believe about sports. Now, no, somebody told me this month, sometimes it's going to be a very important ball game. Is that right? You don't know when that's going to happen? Today? Really? Well, what you believe about God is more important than what you believe about that ball game. And, and I don't know even what teams are playing. But I can tell you, if, and I'm not against sports, but I am very much in favor of God. And we need to acknowledge him because they're play, it's a game. It's a game of living for God and crossing over and trusting and believing him. That ain't no game. That's the real deal. It's life and death. It impacts us. And you know what? I look forward one day to kicking off my shoes and sliding down in the streets of gold or my sock feet. Did you know that heaven is for real? It ain't a game. Heaven is for real. And living for him and the consequences of living for him in his greatness are real deal for us right now. Well, let me pick back up here in Hebrews chapter 10 where it says, Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord no matter what happens. Even if you're thrown into a, a lion's den or even if you're thrown into a fiery furnace. He says... No matter what happens, don't throw your faith, your confident trust away. No matter what happens, remember the great reward it brings you. The great reward for you trusting God, the great reward it brings you when you choose. I'm not going to throw away my trust. I've been trusting God. Well, I know I heard what was on the news and some people will base their entire life on what they saw on the news, and it's fickle. It's changing every day. Situations in our world just changing all the time. God's word is forever the same, and you can trust him because he created you and he put you here. And, and he's got everything figured out for you. He says, no matter what happens, don't throw away your confident trust in the almighty God. Verse 36, it says, patient endurance. Patient endurance. Endurance means patient. Patient endurance. We're talking about that stamina. We're talking about that staying power. Patience. So we don't like to hear the word, but it brings miraculous changes in our life. It says patient endurance is what you need now. So you will continue to do God's will. If we're patient, no matter what we hear, no matter what's said and done, no matter what the circumstances are, he tells us patient endurance is what we need now. So we will continue to do God's will. That's crossing over into God's greatness. We're patient. We're going to endure. We're not going to let our life be determined just by circumstance. Well, so-and-so said so-and-so. Well, that means this don't work no more. It's like, no, 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 no. You can trust God 100 Percent. No matter what. No matter what. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says, For it is, and this is in, in the uh, Passion Translation, says, For it is God who is at work within you, giving you the will, the desire, and the power to achieve his purpose. Now, God gave me the desire and the will to go up on the mountain every Sunday morning and pray with you guys, and to pray for our nation, and Susan as well. But sometimes Susan might have been a little bit nervous about the power part of it. You know, is that correct? Did he give you the power to get her done? I'm just concerned now she's going to want to be up on the mountain all the time now, you know, because she's finding out the thing that the devil has used against us. What was it? Fear. Fear. You're going to fall. Because we're in some pretty high places, and with wind and snow and ice. But you know what? God gives you the desire to obey him, to cross over into his greatness, and, and he gives us the power to do it, which we know in our natural strength we don't have. But he gives it to us. And he tells us that right here. 
He says, for it is God who is at work within you, giving you the will and the power to achieve his purpose. Do it all. Do all, 100%. Do all you have to do without grumbling or arguing. What should we be doing instead of grumbling and arguing? There's an opportunity. We should praise him. We should rejoice. When trouble even comes our way, we, we have an opportunity for great joy to rejoice and to praise him. That's, that's supernatural. That ain't natural. Now you're operating in the supernatural, and that's where the miracles and all do take place. He says here in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, <clears throat> I'll pick it up again here. Well, let's see. I reckon I should start it at verse 30. Five, do not throw away his confident trust, your confident trust in the Lord, no matter what happens. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now, so you will continue to do God's will. What does that say? Then. You ever heard that word before? Your mama says, you clean up your bedroom and then you can have the week off. If you clean up your bedroom, we'll go anywhere you want, do anything you want. Then, you see there's uh, choices that we have to make. Uh, listen what it says here again. It says, and in and, and verse 36, it says, patient endurance is what you need now, so you will continue to do God's will. What's the next word? Then Then you will receive 50%. Oh, that's 100%, isn't it? Then you will receive 100%. You'll receive all that he has promised. You'll receive... When you choose to patiently endure, you got that staying power, that stamina. I ain't giving up. I'm going to trust God. I ain't throwing in my my faith. I'm going to continue to trust the almighty God. Then you will receive all that he has promised. I'm going to tell you, that is fantastic. That's a blank check. That's amazing. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all. He gave up Jesus, his own son, for us all. That's 100% of the people on this earth. He gave up his own son uh, for us all. Won't he also give us, what's that say? Now what percentage is everything? Won't he, God, also give us everything else? Look at Pastor Ron, all this stuff, it's just kind of a fairy tale. It can't possibly be real. Well, that's why you're just on the edge of greatness. But the men and women who choose to believe God and put him to the test, they cross over and they discover that every promise that God has ever made to us, he will honor and we will receive the fulfillment of those promises. That's just the way it is. And he says, uh, verse 32, since he did not spare even his own son, Jesus, but he gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? He's going to give us Jesus. Don't you think he's going to give you something to eat for dinner? If he's going to give his own son as your Savior and lay him down on the cross, don't you think he's going to provide you with a job or a car or whatever else that you might need? He says he's going to give you Everything else. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? And the Message Bible says it this way. And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? I don't know if you've ever been in a real pickle or not, but you start messing with my kids, you're going to get yourself in a real pickle. Can you imagine God saying that? It's like, devil, no. You, you, you take your hands off. Read the story about Job and see what happens. You know, and I like that translation. It says, 
And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Are you kind of partial to loving and protecting your children? And God is too. He genuinely is. And then he continues on in uh, verse 33. He says, no one is going to, you know, accuse you. No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. God has welcomed us into a relationship with him. Where I talk to him, it's the first thing I say in the morning. It's like, good morning, Papa. It's about the last thing I say when I go to bed also. And walking through the woods or any furs out, I'm usually just talking to him because he's invited me into a relationship. Not just I get to see him when I go to heaven one day, but we have a relationship right now. Anyhow, um, let me find out where I was at. Oh, verse 34 says, who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. What does that mean? He's pleading for us. He's interceding for us. And he's sticking up for us. The, the, the enemy of our soul would accuse us. Oh, yeah. and, and, and Jesus would say, I distinctly remember forgiving that. I have forgiven. I have pardoned that. And as Jesus talks to his heavenly father, our heavenly father, you know, he's just like, Father, that's one of mine. He believed, she believed in me. You know, that's what the Bible says. If you will confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be forgiven. You'll be pardoned. If you confess your sins to him, he's faithful just to forgive you and cleanse you from every wrong. He just says, I've forgiven him. I've forgiven her. He sticks up for us. That's what it's talking about. He sticks up for us. So it says, who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us? Can anything drive a wedge between us and God's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble? Does it mean that God don't love us if we have trouble? It don't mean that at all. It says, does it mean we no longer, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Look with me to verse 37. No, that's not what it means. No, despite all these things, what percentage is all? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is whose? Ours. You got to say it like you mean it. (laughs) Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory, you'll hear me often say when I'm praying, overwhelming victory is mine through Christ who loves me. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced, I am persuaded Absolutely. I'm positive about this. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, nor neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Oh, what's going to happen tomorrow? Oh, let me look at the news and see what tells my future for tomorrow. I'd rather look at my Bible and determine my future for tomorrow. That's where we go because what does he tell us in Jeremiah? He says the plans he has for us is what? Good and not evil to give us hope and the future. That's what Jeremiah, does anybody know where that verse is found? 29.11. Powerful passage. It is the truth. Overwhelming victory is ours. And he says we can be convinced nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us from the love of Almighty God. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Verse 39 says, No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. God's love has been revealed to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, obedience to God enables us to cross over into God's greatness that he has created for you and me. Obedience, 
Obeying Almighty God just enables us to cross over. It's just that simple and that sweet, you know. And one important step in receiving a miracle, I don't know if you're interested in receiving miracles or not, but I am. You know, there's always a miracle that's needed in our, our, our sphere of influence and in our family and our loved ones and all. But one important step in receiving a miracle from God is to leave the security of only trusting in your own natural resources. As I said, men have this tendency, well, I can fix that. And it comes to the point, well, I've tried, I've tried everything and I, just, I can't fix it all. And so we've got to abandon the thought that I alone can fix everything, you know, in my own human strength. But we've got to put ourselves in a position where there has to be a miracle from God to hold us up. There's got to be a miracle where, where we just believe and we just trust. We're patient and we just choose to obey God no matter what. And we, we choose to, to rejoice greatly and to praise him even when troubles have come our way. It, it's the opposite of what the, 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 the world would tell us to do, you know. Anyhow, listen to what it says here in Romans 2, 11. It says, for God does not show favoritism. What he's done for one, he's going to do for all. We're his children. He loves us all. That's just the truth of it. Y'all remember in the, the book of Kings, 2 Kings chapter 5, it talks about a, a guy by the name of Naaman. And Naaman was a mighty warrior. He was a leader in his community. The king loved him, but Naaman came down with leprosy. And, and he couldn't be around people. I mean, talk about social distance and people who had bad cases of leprosy, they were ousted from their family. They lived in a leper colony and all this kinds of stuff. And uh, Naaman's wife had a little girl that they had captured in some other city, you know, and took her in as their maid. And she was telling Naaman's wife, you know, there's a prophet who lives in the land where I grew up in and he could heal your, your husband. He could heal Almighty Naaman from this disease. That's right there in your Bible. Second Kings chapter 5, and it tells all about it. And the wife told Naaman, and Naaman's just like, are you serious? I mean, he didn't talk to the king. The king wrote him a letter of uh, introduction to introduce him. He said, you take this letter, you take all your soldiers you want to, all the servants you want to, take all the animals and all the treasures, unlimited treasures, take them, and you tell the the prophet, I'm the king, and I ask you to heal my servant. You know, can you imagine this? So here's Naaman with millions of dollars of treasures, hundreds of warriors, and, and on top of that, servants. Galore, who traveled with him, he went to the accommodations of Elisha the prophet, and he knocked on the door, and he said, uh, please have uh, Elisha come out and talk to me. And this is why. He gave him this letter, introduction from the king. Elisha did not come out the door. He sent his servant. And he says, Elisha said to go dip yourself in the river seven times. Now, it was probably to Naaman, it probably sounded like, go jump in the river. <laughs> you know, that's probably because he was a leader. And in front of all of his warriors, in front of all these servants, the prophet says, don't even come out to say, oh, it's good to see you. Wave his hand, make some powerful prayer, and then he gets healed. No, he just sent his services, go dip in the river. It took a little bit of humility on Naaman's part, did it not? It took some patience. He got angry. <laughs> you see steam coming out of his ears, I'm sure. And he turned around, and he was leaving, and one of his servants had the wisdom to say, sir, Naaman, if he had asked you to do something really difficult, he would have done it. If he had asked you for twice as much treasure, you would have brought it. He's asking you to do something really simple, dip in the river. Oh, he, he sent you here. Follow the prophet's instructions. And Naaman, he humbled himself. He was patient. He wasn't in a hurry any longer for the prophet to come out and talk to him. But he went, he stripped down to his uh, underclothes, garments and off. And in front of his whole soldiers and his servants, and he, 
stepped down and he'd already said the rivers where he was from were clean. This is an old muddy river. He went out and he dipped into the river and he looked. No difference. And he dipped again and again and again and again. As he dipped the sixth time and he came up, it was like, surely there would be some evidence. Nothing. But as he honored and obeyed and acted upon God's word that came from his prophet. He said, dip yourself seven times in the river. And as he came up out of the river on the seventh time, his obedience to God, and the Bible says, his skin was like the skin of a brand new born baby. It's amazing. He sent back all these treasures and said, let me give you all this. The prophet said, I don't want any of that. I don't want that. This is God's gift. To you, but we learned something. He he was living on the edge of greatness, and he almost. You think about it. Naaman almost missed a miracle because of his pride. And I'm gonna tell you, pride will cause us to miss miracles. That's the truth of it. You know? So we must act on God's revealed truth. Remember when you almost obeyed God? Can you ever remember a time? When you almost obeyed God, God was challenging you. You remember when you almost spoke up for him, when he nudged you to speak up and tell somebody about him? You remember when you almost tithed or you you almost gave an offering? You remember when you almost prayed for someone, just in a not in a church, but someone was really hurting and they was really sick and you felt like I wanted to pray, but you was a little embarrassed and so you didn't pray? You remember when you almost prayed for someone? You almost believe what God said and you almost took a risk and obeying God and you, you, you almost, you almost praised him in difficult and troubled times. You, you almost crossed over into his greatness. You almost did. You know what? Naaman almost missed a miracle. And lots of times we do miss them because we almost obey God. But we don't, you know. We're daily on the edge of greatness. And will you believe God and will you cross over or not? Will you believe God or will you believe circumstances? Oh, oh, that changed. You can't believe God no more because this happened. Where, where is your choice, you know? Some stop believing God, you know, right on the very edge of greatness. Listen to what it says here. I talked about this oh, a couple of weeks ago, but, but I want to read you the, the passages. It says here in Matthew 14, 24, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land. It was three miles away. Far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Now, I don't know if you've ever been out in some serious waves in a small boat. I have. It gets kind of scary. I was out in some big waves at 12 o'clock at night, you know, and it was pitch dark everywhere, and the waves were coming over the top of the boat. It can get kind of scary. Does that make sense? And it says right here, these guys were fighting heavy waves. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, which means it was dark, Jesus came to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him, they screamed in terror, thinking he was a ghost. And there was an, an old wives' tale that if you ever saw this omen, if you ever saw a ghost, when you're out at sea, it meant you're going to drown. And they began to scream because they, they, they thought that Jesus was a ghost. Verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once. He didn't let them keep thinking that thought. He spoke to them at once. It's all right, he said. I'm here. Don't be afraid. And then Peter called to him, Lord. If it's really you, tell me to come to you by walking on the water. Peter wanted to cross over into greatness. Ain't nobody else ever walked on water. Verse 29. All right, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water toward Jesus. Now, 12 sat on the edge of greatness, but only one crossed over and walked on the water along with Jesus. All 12 of them could have done the same thing. And there's a lot of people who are going to believe God, and it's not necessarily always going to be the crowd. You say, well, well, you go first, you know. 
And anyhow, this is what happened. Verse 30 says, but when he looked around, Peter, he's out there walking with Jesus. But when he looked around at the high waves, he was terrified and began to sink. You're going to Jesus, and this is fantastic, and this is amazing. And then you're kind of, you know, there's a big old wave comes, and you're looking at the waves, and you're thinking, we don't normally walk on waves. And, and you're hearing the wind and the white caps going on, and you're looking around you, and you begin to sink because he took his eyes off of Jesus. And when you uh, find yourself in a storm of life, and you take your eyes off of Jesus and just start looking at circumstances, circumstances, they will defeat you. We don't need to take our eyes off of Jesus. It says he took his eyes off of Jesus. He was terrified, verse 30, and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Verse 31, instantly, Jesus reached out his hand and he grabbed him. You don't have much faith, Jesus said. That's kind of obvious. Why did you doubt me? He started doubting Jesus the same reason we start doubting. He started looking at circumstances, listening to the wind, seeing the waves, you know. And when you and I start looking at circumstances, we will not cross over into the greatness of Almighty God. We're not operating in the supernatural. We're just left over here in the natural because we're just looking at circumstances and we believe circumstances more than we believe God. Joel Chapter 3, verse 14 says, Multitudes, multitudes, in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. We all going to have to make decisions before the day is over. You're going to make a lot of decisions. Will your decisions be acknowledging God? Will your decisions be knowing God and recognizing God and obeying God? And it's like, Lord, whatever you say, I'm going to cross over in obedience to you when you say, Come. You say, do this. You say, speak up for me. You say, praise you, rejoice in you. When trouble comes, I'm going to do it. You know, our tendency is like, well, when no more trouble comes my way, well, then I'll rejoice. That's not the way the supernatural operates, you see. You know, to cross over the edge into God's greatness, you got to choose to love rather than to hate. You got to choose to smile rather than to to frown. You got to choose to build rather than destroy or or to preserve rather than uh, to persevere rather than just to throw in a towel and and, and quit. You got to choose to praise rather than to gossip and complain and and argue. If we want to cross over into God's greatness, we got to choose to heal rather than to wound people. We got to choose to give rather than to grasp. We got to choose to act rather than just delay. We got to choose to forgive rather than to curse. We got to choose to pray rather than despair. We got to choose to just choose to obey God and cross over into his greatness and live close to him and walk close to him. You know, someone once said, there is so much I do not know about God. But what I do know has changed my life. And I'm going to say that's, that's really me. There's a lot I don't know about God yet. I study as much as I can. And I pray and spend time with him. But there's a lot I don't know. But what I do know has changed me. I'm not the person I once upon a time was. And he'll change you. And, and you'll get to know him. And you'll get to know his, his powers and his secrets and his promises. That's just the truth of it, you know. So remember... Who it is that we serve. He's the greatest. He really is. Deuteronomy chapter 3 verse 24 says, O sovereign Lord, I am your your servant. You have only begun to show me your greatness and power. You've only begun to show me your greatness. So when you obey God and you step over into his greatness and you experience some miracles, he's only just begun He's got so much more to share with us, men and women, boys and girls who learn to trust, who who learn to walk in God's will, learn to cross over into his greatness. Now imagine this. Each morning, there's going to be deposited into your bank account $86,400. Is that okay with you? Okay, three of you said that's okay? 
Oh, well, if you don't want, well, can you send it toward Brian, okay? So think about this for just a moment. There's some rules to this deal. Everything that you don't spend, this is going to start in the morning, okay? And everything you don't spend out of that $86,400 that's put in your account tomorrow morning, everything that you don't spend will be taken away. That's pretty self-explanatory what you should do with it, you know? You can't transfer the money into another account. Another of your accounts, maybe, or someone else's account who will split it with you and give it back to you later. You can only spend it, and you'll receive another $86,400 the next morning. Think about it. And the deposits may stop without warning. Game over. It, It could. Well, what would you do? You can buy anything you like for yourself or for your loved ones, or even for those that you don't know, you know, buy an orphanage and feed starving children. You can do anything you want to with it. But you must spend it all each day, and it will be replenished in the morning. This game is real, okay? The deposit, though, is time. Think about this for just a moment. Each morning, we receive 86,400 seconds. That's how much time we have in a day. Think about it for a moment. It's a gift of life. 86,400 seconds I got tomorrow? Wow. What we don't use each day is gone forever. So what you do with your 86,400 seconds, you go make that choice. You can sleep the whole day away, and you've lost it. You've lost it. You can speak encouraging words to people, and it will have consequences. You you can invest those seconds in a noble way, and it makes an eternal difference in people's lives, you know? And, And these seconds are more valuable than the same amount of dollars. It really is. The time God has given us to live and to breathe and to smile and to speak and to Touch people's lives is so much more valuable than dollars. So enjoy every second. For they can all be gone soon enough. You've got 86,400 seconds tomorrow. What are you going to do with them? Jim Elliott said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. For 111 days, Charlie Engel Ray Zahaf and Kevin Lynn ran, ran across the Sahara Desert. They touched the waters at Senegal, and then they made their way through Mauritania and Mali and Niger and Libya and Egypt to touch the waters of the Red Sea. Along the way, the trio faced Blazing afternoons of 100 plus degrees, jarring, freezing nights, sandstorms, tendonitis, violent sickness, aches, pains, and blisters. But the biggest challenge they faced was finding water. Finding it in its purest, cleanest form gets to be a bit of a chore while you're in the middle of nowhere. Running 4,000 miles across the Sahara Desert is an amazing accomplishment. But just as commendable are these marathon finishers. Christians who finish their lives still growing, still serving. Husbands and wives who stay faithful to each other until death do us part. These are marathon men and women who are noteworthy to mention. Greater accomplishment than just going 4,000 miles across the desert. Young people who preserve their virginity until marriage despite crushing peer pressure. Pastors who stay stay passionate about their ministry until the last breath. Church members who weather conflict and remain joyful and loving and faithful even in troubled times. Hmm. There are men and women who are noble in our midst, who are listening, who are present, Because they have chosen God to be faithful to everything that he says. 
And if we've made mistakes along the way, we've asked God to forgive us. And we believe he forgives us and cleanses us from every wrong. And we get to start all over again. And we invest our time, our energy, our resources in a way that makes an eternal difference. You know, we're on the edge. We're at the crossroads of greatness. Will we accept Christ into our life? Or we say, well, I'm going to kind of wait till later, maybe. Well, that could be the wrong decision. It surely could. Let me read you one more passage, and we're done. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11 says, Yes, we live under constant danger of death. We live in a risky kind of a situation here. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. You mean it's risky to serve Jesus in the world in which we live? Yeah, pretty risky, you know. Disciples, they were active players. They weren't spectators. And I venture to say most people, and I'm not against uh, sports and all, but I venture to say the majority of people who enjoy those fantastic sports that will be played today are mostly spectators, don't you think? They're not necessarily players. But God's looking for active disciples, active players who, who are participators and not just spectators. So it says, yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be obvious, clearly seen in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death. We, we stop playing it safe. I don't care what nobody says. I'm going to speak the truth in love, but I'm no longer going to hide the fact that I love Jesus. I'm no longer going to hide the fact that yeah, I obey him and I take some risk and... Um, Yes, I cross over into greatness, and I love him, and he loves me, and I'm going to live my life for him. Even if people poke fun of it and things like that, I, that I pray. There's people who might make fun of you uh, because you are a person who pray until they have a need, and then they'll say, oh, would you pray for me or for one of my loved ones? That's what they would say. So we live in the face of death, but it has resulted in eternal life for you. And as you and I live for Christ, it impacts the people who is in our sphere of influence. We nudge them closer to God. Not being flaky and weird and all that kinds of stuff, but just being in love with Jesus, knowing what he's done for us, and passing on that good, grand, fantastic news to other people. And not being a person who cusses and swears and fusses when trouble comes your way, but being a person who's like, crosses over and rejoices and operates and lives in the supernatural. Well, our time is up here, and I'd like to pray for you before we go. So if you could bow your heads with me right now, if you would. And Susan, if you would join me up here. Papa, God, I ask your blessings upon my brothers and sisters who are here this day, and those who are listening to us or watching us wherever they may be. Lord, I ask you to bless them and reveal to each and every one your supernatural power. Lord, that you would comfort them and and there are times of difficulty. And that you'd teach them your secrets. You'd teach them your ways. Yes, Lord. Now as our heads are bowed, I would ask you to join me to reaffirm your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe you've been close to him and you've drifted away from him. Or maybe you've never declared your faith in Christ ever. And today is the day to do it. That's why you and I are here today. For such a time as this, as God has brought us here, so you can recommit your life to Christ. You can welcome him into your life for the first time or just renew your faith in him. I don't believe in accidents. I believe we've had a divine appointment here. And I'd ask you to join me as we reaffirm or to declare our faith in Jesus today. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son, Jesus. That's why you sent your son, Jesus. I believe he gave his life on the cross. I believe he gave his life on the cross. To pay for my sins. To pay for my sins. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And is knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus inside. And I welcome Jesus inside. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. As my King. As my King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. 
I choose to cross over into greatness. I choose to cross over into greatness. And to surrender my life to you. And to surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.